Well, greetings to Oasis this morning. It's been a real rich treat for me to be here. <clears throat> My, I, I thought I was ready to preach, but now I don't know where to start. Um, and, of course, I wanted to give my thoughts to the opening and then of course you other brothers all put your thoughts in there and really stirred up the pot for me um but holding fast to that board and uh falling to our hurt one of the things i was thinking brother jerry is that's that uh, the the law we call gravity? That law of gravity seems to always work. It never seems to miss. And how many times will we watch someone? fall to the ground and hurt themselves before we decide in our own hearts, you know what, I don't think I'll jump off that silo. Everyone else that did it seemed to hurt themselves. And yet, I see us doing exactly that in the Christian life. Even though we have thousands of years of human history to watch, to follow, to look at, and see the results of the choices that they made, somehow we tell ourselves that we are an exception. We're an exception to the rule. I can do this and experience something different than the last person that jumped off the silo. Somehow, we, we don't make the connection between the law of sowing and reaping. One of the thoughts I had was John D. Martin teaching us youth in Bible school one year that his father was really good at something that I'm really poor at. And uh, he was always making connections with his children between the, uh, between cause and, and effect. They, they did this. Now, this here's going to be the result. And he, he was always doing that through life. You see, this, this father did this and it caused this and this child over here and, and, and this here's gonna be the result in their life. And he, he, he uh, had a real good way of, of helping them to see that the choices we make today have a huge effect on 
have everything to do with where we are tomorrow. <clears throat> well, Brother John, I have to give uh, a picture to you that I saw when you were ready to throw your phone. The uh, <clears throat> the iPhone was just becoming a, a big deal, was really becoming the cool thing. Back whenever uh, Brother Denny was in his last days and he was passing away and his mind was becoming feeble and those uh, last weeks that he was still coherent, Brother Daniel sat with him a lot and he really got on to this thing about the iPhone and I... Not sure if he had one <laughs> right then or not, but he he was uh, sitting there one day looking at brother Danny or with his his son Daniel, and uh, he said, "Well, I think I think today's the day, Daniel. We're going to smash an iPhone. We're going to get a hammer out. And we're going to smash an iPhone. W- what do you think, Daniel?" I think it's time we just smash one of those iPhones. And <clears throat> while that may seem comical, may seem uh, funny, but Jesus said things similar. And What's wrong with us taking a look at those little things, Brother Tim? You said we're talking about the big things, and I agree. We are talking about big things. But why can't we look at the little choices that we're making today and asking ourselves, a different question. Let's let's start asking a different question than what the charity movement has asked in the last 40 years now. Well, what's wrong with it? So we can't give a 10-point theological reason why what's wrong with it, so then there's liberty, right? Let's start asking the question, does this tell those looking on? Does this tell my community? Does this tell the world? Does this tell my uh, local body? This decision that I'm making, does it say to everybody without question that I'd rather have Jesus than anything? Or are the decisions that you're making today causing a question mark that says, well, he says he's a Christian and 
he has his theology down right and he can say yes to the questions at the right place and and no at the right place. But I'm just not sure when I watch his life, when I see what he does with his time and where he's going and what uh, he's placing value in. Well, okay, I'll try to preach my message. Hold fast. Those, (coughs) I have to say a word about this yet. The radio preachers. There, there's some really good radio preachers. And I guess now today it's probably uh, YouTube preachers. They, they have studied long and hard. They have uh, doctorate degrees. They can... Speak in such a clear, concise way, they can, they are easy to listen to. No stumbling, none of the uh, and um that you'll hear up here this morning. They're so pleasant to listen to. And Tony Evans was maybe my favorite radio preacher back in the day. I loved getting tidbits of inspiration from Tony Evans. The longer that I read my Bible, the more I have struggled deeply with the radio preacher. And I haven't listened to radio preachers for many years. I... uh, I believe that the Protestant Christianity, by and large, has overlooked a huge part of what the gospel is. And... While one of the early church writers says, we don't speak great things, we live them. The message of the radio preacher is, we don't live great things, we speak them. You can hear many good things said. 
over the pulpits in our land today. But you can't find many lives that are just following Jesus and just endeavoring to do what he says. But rather, it's an explaining away what most of Christianity is. God's kingdom here and now. One of the terms that Brother John D. coined for me is greatly overlooked. One of my favorite Bible teachers in the past explore the book you probably are all very familiar with that dear Sidlow Baxter the first year I was converted a cousin of mine gave me his devotional awake my heart And that first summer I was a Christian, I got much uh, use out of that devotional. I, I fed on many inspirations that Baxter had from scriptures. I was so disappointed last night when I went and looked at what he had to say about what I have to say this morning. And he completely missed it. He completely misses the gospel, in my opinion. Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9, says, To rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. And I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim, and the horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace unto the heathen. And his dominion shall be from sea even to sea, and from the river even to the ends of the earth. <clears throat> well, I don't think it takes a, a very large uh <clears throat> Bible scholar or a very, uh, I don't think you have to be much of a Bible scholar to see this as being one of the prophecies of Christ. And I'd like to look at Jesus here in the Old Testament this morning. I trust that if the Apostle Paul could preach Jesus from morning until night from the law and 
the prophets and from the Psalms. I trust you'll give me grace to do that here this morning from the Old Covenant. Rejoice greatly is the title of my message. I'd like to look at, I considered sharing a message from Zechariah only, looking at Christ in Zechariah. And just didn't come together that way. So I've uh, narrowed it down to this verse 9 and 10 of Zechariah chapter 9. And one thing I would like to point out here in Zechariah many times, and I did not go through and count them. But many times here in Zechariah, you will see the phrase, in that day. And that's an important phrase to look at in understanding what's being said here, I believe, in Zechariah. In that day, over and over. And there will come forth a prophecy and then it will say in that day, thus and thus and another prophecy and, and, and the Lord their God shall save them in that day. Well, this is the day. Psalms says, is it Psalms 118 says, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, I've often heard that growing up being referred to, and it's fine to refer to it that way, that we have this day in our lives, right? Let's rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. But I believe the truest meaning of that verse is this day that our victorious, triumphant King comes. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Zechariah says rejoice greatly in this day. That we're talking about. And there can be no doubt in our minds what day Zechariah is talking about. The day that this triumphant king comes. Rejoice greatly. I don't think there can be any doubt in many of the Psalms that that is the day that is being referred to. But we'll just look at Psalms 98. 
I'll read that scripture. Psalms 98, first several verses says, O sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. Again, a picture of this triumphant king. The Lord hath made known his salvation. His, his righteousness hath he openly showed in the sight of the heathen. And he can openly show it because he is the triumphant, victorious king. He hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Keep in mind, this is looking to that day when this glorious, triumphant king shows up on the scene. And his kingdom comes to man. His kingdom here and now. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. In that day. Make a loud noise. And rejoice. And sing praise. Let's stand for prayer. Before we go on. Oh Lord Jesus. Help us to sing that new song today. That glorious, triumphant day and time period has come and is here now. Help us to live today as children of this triumphant King. Oh Lord, give us grace in this our day to raise up an ensign in the communities that we live in, in the heathen nations around us. Help us To be in this world and not of it. Help me, Lord, to make this message plain to all of our hearts this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Rejoice greatly. Here in Zechariah chapter 9, we have this picture of Jesus coming on the scene, triumphant and victorious. And we have 
fast forward probably 550 years, you have this uh, picture here in Zechariah 9.9 being carried out, being fulfilled. You have the prophecy being fulfilled. I didn't write those scriptures down. They're in Matthew, Mark, John, where Jesus rides into Jerusalem and the people are crying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Hosanna to this victorious, triumphant King. I looked up Hosanna in the Strongs and it's an exclamation of adoration. In other words, in order to rightly cry Hosanna to anything, to, to anything or anybody, means that we put value on it. We put great value on it. When we, when we put value on something, we can adore it. And when we adore something, it's, it's not uh, difficult to get emotional about it. The... Uh, the verse, our verse here says to rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. If you wonder what that looked like, just fast forward to the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. When Jesus is riding on this little donkey that's never been sat on before. And... The people aren't just standing on the sidelines saying, oh, look at that cute little donkey. You know, I think, I think that little donkey's weighed down a little bit under, under that, uh, under the weight. Uh, I think, I think Jesus might be a little bit too heavy for that donkey. The, you know, the, the donkey wasn't in the picture. The, the, you know, I don't think the people even noticed what Jesus was riding on. They were putting their worth. Their, they had uh, <clears throat> come to attach value to Jesus. They had walked with him. They, he, he understood their greatest need. Their heart cry. And he somehow fulfilled that void in their heart. They knew after walking with him for these years that there was such a an aroma about him. There was such a uh, 
uh, a spirit emanating from him that just washed over them, that just made them whole. <coughs> yes, he healed them physically, but it went much deeper than that. Their their whole their whole being was uh, was struck. They were they were uh, they knew that they were under the influence of someone that had things in control, that had some answers for their life. He knew, they knew, that as, as even though they maybe hadn't experienced the new birth yet, and the Holy Spirit hadn't been uh, poured out yet, and, and even though they didn't have the courage to stand with him, when he was standing before Pilate and when he was being condemned to die, yet I believe the experience of their life was that this is no mere man. And he definitely has the answer for our life. So when they uh, are uh, seeing him riding on this donkey into Jerusalem... what's called the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, their emotions knew no bounds. They didn't care who saw them. They were waving their branches, their palm branches in the air. They were throwing their clothes down. This says to rejoice greatly. I don't know. I mean, I believe they knew this book of the law better than we know it today. I believe they read it much. Many of them uh, would have personally known this verse, I'm sure. I don't know if it came to them at this time and that... If they, they were saying, well, you're seeing that this was a fulfillment of this prophecy, maybe some of them did and decided, okay, we're going to obey this verse to rejoice greatly. And this was their, their picture of rejoicing greatly. I kind of doubt that that was the case. Uh, I think they, they were, they, they had just become a follower of this person who had, who just meant everything to them. He turned their life around in more ways than one. But they they showed us what it means to rejoice greatly. I looked up rejoice here in the Strongs and it says to spin around under the influence of any violent emotion. I mean, that just gives me the picture of some charismatic services, right? Maybe we need some more charisma. <clears throat> well, Isaac Watts said, Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. It's something exciting. It's something worth uh, getting emotional about. It's something to uh, 
get under the influence of. My little grandson is going to be two in November. He, this is July, August, September, October, November, so he's not much more than a year and a half. And I was watching him playing on my living room floor a week or two ago, and I was amazed. I think it, it was just me singing a song. I can't remember uh, because I don't think there was even a tape player in there or anything that he could have been listening to. But I think I uh, was singing uh, a hymn and he was playing with his little skid loader on the floor. And and when I started singing, he he started looking at me and, you know, going up and down and and I, you know, could understand that because he sees the song leader Sunday mornings and uh, and then he just all of a sudden, you know, not no one watching and uh, just under the influence of this song, he starts he just starts spinning around. He was just all happy about this song. And I thought, wow, isn't that amazing? Um uh, what the what music does to us <clears throat> and here we're told to rejoice greatly o daughter of zion shout o daughter of jerusalem behold thy king cometh unto thee he is just uncompromisingly just and having salvation, lowly, riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. We we have a king. We are, which means that we are part of a kingdom. And uh We need to be patriotic in this kingdom. And to be patriotic in this kingdom means something. It should should do something to us. It should cause us to be something or it should cause us to uh, act a certain way or... uh, uh, take certain stands in life, right? When we we just recently came through the the Fourth of July, the Fourth of July is the celebration in this kingdom that we live in here in America. It's the day we gained our independence from Britain, and so there's celebration with that. You'll see pickup trucks going down the road with uh, with a flag in the pickup. At least we do in our community. Uh, uh, you'll see motorcycles go down the road and they have uh, the American flag flying behind them. And uh, maybe listening to America the Great. 
uh, and there's celebration in the air. And as soon as the sun sets, you start hearing booming going on and you see the flashes in the sky. There's there, it, uh, there's a celebration. It's it's celebratory. It's uh, it's uh, it's a time of uh, uh, great joy to the citizens of this country. They're happy to be citizens of America. And it causes them to express themselves in a celebratory way. Well, being citizens of the, the kingdom of heaven that Jesus established when he came to earth. It also comes with with its rules, with its uh, it causes us to it, the, if we are in that spirit, that attitude of rejoicing greatly, we have a There's there's something that drives us. There's something that um, that causes us to do things that are out of step with society around us. So much of what I see as the problem with holding fast. Brother Jerry, is that we get confused about what kingdom we're in. And we're putting a a certain amount of value in the wrong kingdom. And then we we make choices based on where our values are. And the picture gets all muddled. And as I... Look at that early church that turned the world upside down. I see them having very little value in their Roman citizenship. Or very little value in the fact that their their heritage can be traced back to Abraham. So little value that the Apostle Paul said, I count it like a pile of manure. If the the point that I'm trying to make in my message this morning is that if we will put value on Christ... And if we are to follow the scripture and rejoice greatly and adore our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it should make us want to be like him and it should make us hang on his words. You know how the citizens of the country of the kingdoms of this earth, whoever 
the leaders are of that country, they, they will put mottos on the walls of their sayings. And they will memorize their sayings. They will, uh, uh, I believe it was the, the Romans that would, when an emperor would die, they would, uh, they would enshrine him. They would, I think they'd sort of make him as a god. They, I don't know if they really bowed down and worshiped them or not, but something like that, uh, they, they would, uh, uh, really hang on on them, I guess, especially if they were uh, a victorious conqueror. <clears throat> One of the key things that I'm bringing out here, which is what the scriptures do here that we're looking at this morning, is this next verse, verse 10, says, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem and the bow, the battle bow shall be cut off and he shall speak peace unto the heathen and his dominion is to the ends of the earth. It knows no boundaries. It crosses over every kingdom. This victorious king that we're talking about this morning. He is so victorious. He is so triumphant that he, his kingdom goes through the whole earth. And it's not speaking of Alexander the Great, which came along about 200 years after this was written. Some people at that time may have thought that that's who he was talking about. Here is a, an amazing picture, especially in the setting that it was given in. Here's a picture of a triumphant king that is going to be victorious across every kingdom line in the world and he's going to do it without a fight. Peace is going to be the trademark of this kingdom. There will not be a shot fired. There will not be any swords used. This is not the only Old Testament scripture that brings this out. I love Isaiah 9. I believe you could call that my favorite Old Testament scripture. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 5 and 6 bears this out very clearly. <clears throat> It's just not clear in the King James. Sorry about that. It says, For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood. But this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born. Now, I don't know 
how to go on there without reading that in a clearer version. Verse 5 in the New King James says, For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. It's going to be fuel. The warrior's clothes are going to be fuel for the fire. This is a prophecy being given of the this coming kingdom. The Amplified says, For every tramping warrior's war boots and all his armor in the battle, tumult, and every garment rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. Why? Why all this change all of a sudden? Here we are in a uh, a warrior-laden uh, land. Uh, this, this God of the Israelites is a, a warrior God, right? Who... Uh, is commanding his people to go fight and kill the enemy and be victorious in a, in a flesh and blood way. And here we have this prophecy that, uh, the, the, the warriors, the warriors clothes and all his paraphernalia is going to be fuel for the fire. Why? Why such a huge change all of a sudden? What happened? Well, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, There shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Again. This battle is fought without a fight and it's a victorious battle. It's a triumphant king we're following. And <clears throat> all of the rules have changed in this kingdom. What's so disappointing to me when I read, when I listen to my Protestant friends expound on a scripture like this is It's all relegated to the kingdom that is to come. It's all for when we get to heaven. But that's not true. Don't believe it. Don't fall for it. Hold fast to something that's uh, more sure. And I think the more sure thing to hold fast to is to believe in God's kingdom here and now. And we can rejoice greatly that Jesus has set up this kingdom of peace here and now. One of the things I thought of, Brother Jerry, in holding fast to sound doctrine, one of the as you are giving those ways to hold fast, 
I think one of the things that are of value here, since Augustine has so uh, so revamped our uh, our ideology in Christianity today, it's it's very good to go back and look at those first three hundred years and the theology and what they believed about Jesus setting up His kingdom here on the earth. What did they believe about it? They were so firm on this issue that even at the Council of Nicaea in 325, after Constantine had Christianized Rome, when the bishops came together there, and uh, Constantine being present, one of the canons were that if you left the military, if you re Pented and left the military, you had to be 13 years in proving before you could take communion because it was such a serious offense to be part of the military and be a Christian. That was with the emperor sitting there and uh, lording over the rules that were being made. And it seems he was okay with that. And it's, it is uh, also an interesting note in history that even though Constantine Christianized Rome and, in a sense, forced everyone to be a Christian, now made it illegal to not be a Christian, he himself was not baptized until he was on his deathbed. Because I, 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 the way I would understand it, the way I would see it is that he, he, he was in a battle of conscience there that he could not, uh, he, he couldn't with a clear conscience be baptized into the Christian faith and hold the title of emperor and be out there fighting in battles, in a sense, be the, the, the chief of of, of the warriors. He saw the inconsistencies there. Well, no, I, I may be putting words, in, I, I don't know, I don't know all the reasons. I'm assuming some of that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, from the way I would understand it there, uh, Constantine was not baptized until he was on his deathbed. Okay, um, rejoice greatly. When, when we place a high value on Christ, it will show in the way we live out our lives. If, if we are, as it says there in Psalms 98, going to sing the new song, and we find in Revelations 5, I believe it is, what the theme of the new song is. Can someone tell me what the theme of the new song is? Worthy is the Lamb. 
great worth is the lamb. High value is the lamb of, <coughs> of, uh, uh, the, the song that we sang. More to be valued than silver and gold. I'd rather have Jesus, we just sang. The reason we'd rather have Jesus is He is worthy. He's worth more than everything and anything. And if we are going to show that by our life, it's going to be uh, an unapologetic life, uh, a, a life that is not afraid to, with the little decisions that we make in life, say, I don't know if I ever finished my uh, uh, answering, answering the di- a different question. Rather than to say what's wrong with something, we should rather be telling ourselves or asking ourselves Am I clearly identifying myself with Christ by this decision? Can I... (coughs) Or is there something else I could do in the place of doing this that would, would place a higher value on Christ? Rejoice greatly. Are you... Is it coming together any for you? If we are going to rejoice greatly and show by our lives that we put great value in Christ and are clearly putting our life at stake in His kingdom, it will show by the way we obey. It will show by the... the the value we put on the words that he says rather than uh, spending our life trying to uh, make excuses and get around what Jesus says and make it fit with the society that we live in and the theology that we've created about Christianity. We... Love him. And we want to, we want our whole life to be a picture of Jesus Christ living in this life. Here and now. It's not for the kingdom to to come. I mean, that that wasn't the purpose. The purpose was for uh, us to uh live as a community of believers now what what it means to be a follower of Jesus and it's <laughs> Jesus said if you learn of me you'll find that my yoke is easy and my burden is light the, the way we find his yoke easy and his burden light is by having great worth in him. Knowing that 
Jesus Christ is so much more than anything else. Jesus Christ is everything. And even though it puts me out of sync with my neighbor, and even though it it puts me in a... Uh, it puts me at odds with my God, guns and country uh, evangelical neighbor who uh, will one day... Uh, Shoot us in the back as a traitor. I think we stand on good ground and hold fast to a solid board, Brother Jerry, if, if we won't compromise on this issue of peace. And, and it needs to go deeper. Than, than, uh, than just not serving in the military. It needs to affect our everyday life. It needs to affect our relationships in, uh, in, in marriage, in, in family life, in church life, in community life. Our, our life needs to be marked as one of peace. And, if if we as an anabaptist people have done well at taking a stand against uh, uh participation in in the government and and keeping those lines clear with uh uh church and state we haven't done well in this area of peace in our relationships and being being at peace with one another and at all cost understanding that the clothing of the soldier is fuel for the fire in Jesus kingdom there's no room for backbiting and devouring one another in Jesus' kingdom. There's, there's no, no, uh, no room for stiff-arming someone. There's, we, we rather would be taken advantage of before we would take advantage of. This kingdom of peace that Jesus came to earth with is, I believe, I truly believe, the evangelicals have it wrong. I can say that after many years of my early Christian life there being uh, very wishy-washy with and, you know, I, I... I followed some of their paths some and, um, and, and was confused about this point a lot. But I see it clearly in the Scriptures that 
when Jesus came to earth and the kingdom of, uh, of peace that is prophesied here is for here and now. The Sermon on the Mount is for here and now. The, the, the life that Jesus presented to his followers is for here and now. It's not for that coming kingdom. I mean, yeah, absolutely for the coming kingdom. But it's to be fleshed out in our life today. Rejoice greatly in this king that was prophesied. Here, 500 years before Jesus came and put great worth on him. Let's sing the new song. The, to sing the new song is, uh, you know, not so much just, uh, coming to church every Sunday and having a new song written. It's, uh, <clears throat> I'm pretty sure the Strong's uses the word fresh. And it's, uh, it's a, f- uh, it, it, so in other words, any song in our hymn book can be a new song sung. It can be fresh in our hearts if we are adoring putting great value in Christ, rejoicing in Him. Having said that, I'll put a plug in for uh, the great need we have in our day for songwriters. I, uh, I think it's a shame to let 30, 40 years go by and no new hymn books get uh, written. I think... I think it was about 30 years between the hymnary and uh, this hymns of the church. Um, I personally believe that uh, God's people should be known for their singing and uh, that as we live out the life of Christ here on the earth, we also should be being inspired by song and uh, and writing them down. Uh, God bless our sister Claudia that uh, wrote the uh, uh, what joy within the courts of God. That kind of goes with my message. So, joy to the world. Joy to Oasis Christian Fellowship. The Lord has come. Let Oasis receive her king.